Cultivated Being Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Cultivated Being Podcast. You are here with two brothers who are doctors, living on different sides of the country, talking about brother stuff, doctor stuff, sometimes neither, sometimes both. Um, and we're here to give our little weekly chat. This time, I think there's lots to talk about. Some major things have shifted in, <laughs> in our lives, and I think it's a good time to talk about. So my name is Dr. Nick. This is my brother, Dr. Jake. Jake, what's going on? Hello. Yeah, well, we also delayed our pod. We almost went like a whole week without. It's true. You got you to gotta get this one out quick, Nicholas. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm happy to be here. The listeners, as always, it's one of my favorite times of the week. It I'm losing is, my mind. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say, Jake, personally, this is the only podcast out there that I've actually listened to every episode. Really? Yep. Yeah. I... Uh, I tune out for large parts of it when I'm listening, but <laughs> you try to fast forward, but the fast forward <laughs> button's broke. I'm listening to it live. It's a problem. Yeah. Can't fast forward. Anyway, Nick, enough about our podcast. Mm -hmm. It's day whatever of quarantine life. Your beard's getting thicker and fuller than ever. I am seeing more of your chest hair than I normally see on our mm -hmm. video conference. So I think you're doing well. Must be yep. going pretty good for you over there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> I actually trimmed my beard. So, yeah. <laughs> so this is a trimmed version of the beard, but yeah. Um, life is pretty good. Had lots of sun this week. I actually have a little reddish hue and, uh, Ooh. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I'm enjoying life in these parts of the world. And uh, tell me about you. Uh, well, I have had a little baby boy since our last recording. So there's a new addition to the familia over here. His name's Henry James Hyde. He's great. Congratulations. And I'm reacting. Thank you. Reacting on our Zoom by putting the clappy. Hey, give me all the, the clappy thing. Everyone's mm -hmm. getting more creative with their Zoom conferencing. <laughs> it's becoming a thing. Oh yeah, I would do the virtual background, but it's too much bandwidth. And <laughs> <laughs> what's been your favorite virtual background you've seen? Um, I you know I'm 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 good with the the, the classics, the basics. Space, That's a good one. <laughs> That's, that was my favorite. Until I saw the background for the the TV show The Office, you know, in their, that normal conference room they get interviewed in. Oh yeah, <laughs> what a basic place to do. It's to get so virtual. It's yeah. so good though. Like it's it's good because it's subtle. It looks kind of like you're in an office, but you're like, wait, that's the office. <laughs> Which, by the way, I don't know if. Uh, our listeners have heard of this or Jake's heard of this, but have you heard of um, what's Jim's name again? The actor, John Krasinski. Have you yeah. seen his, his little news show? Some good news. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where you should get your news. Yeah. Everyone here who likes watching the news, talking to our mother for one, you should just watch John Krasinski's news update. That's the <laughs> yeah. one that's worth watching. So for for those of you who don't know, John Krasinski, one of the main stars of The Office of, uh, and other notable things, I'm sure people have seen him and heard of him at this point. His wife is Emily Blunt, so they're kind of a power couple. He was kind of prompted. He's a funny guy. And he's prompted by followers or whoever to start this new show. And of course, since it's during quarantine, he's doing it out of his like home office. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty well done. I've been like amazed and it's called some good news. You can find it on YouTube and he's posting pretty regularly. 
Is it every day? I don't know, Nick. I don't know up from down right now, but okay, yeah, I know, I know that it's out there. <laughs> and yeah, the point is to post good news. He collects mm. it for us and shares it in a yeah. comedic way. Anyways, delightful plug. That is, you know, we're all looking for good media to consume right now. I want to talk about that. We can talk about the the boy that was born this week too, because <laughs> yeah, we're gonna sound lot, like we. Uh, there's a lot yeah. to say about that, but a shift for me. So pre pre him coming, it was like I had some dark quarantine days when I was just like dealing with all kinds of issues with the whole situation at large. And what shifted for me like instantly in really positive ways was when I, I just changed what I was consuming for entertainment mm-hmm. and just started paying attention to things that were just higher level consciousness. I was reading more and watching less garbage and all of a sudden like my mind shifted my attitude was so much better and all my experiences immediately started to get better just shifting how i entertained myself so thought i'd share that i love it well what are some so if we're going to recommend this what are some things that you would recommend people higher level consciousness things that could help shift this for them I found on Audible like 10 hours worth of Dr. David Hawkins lectures. That's awesome. (laughs) And not just a full two-hour lecture or something. These people pieced together highlights of lectures. So it's like a mixtape greatest hits. 10 hours. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, I'll just go outside in the yard, listen to the birds, watch the sun go down, and listen to David Hawkins teach me about awesome things and i just feel amazing oh gosh yeah that and there's something to you know when you hear the energy through a, a higher energy person's voice like there is another energy layer frequency on top of that that's you're you're getting more than just words in your brain you're getting other forms of energy in your in you so it's like amazing mm-hmm. kind of like you know, for anyone who can relate with this, being around somebody who's just high vibration and you just, they don't have to say anything. You're just like, you feel amazing. You feel so much better. You feel lighter. You feel, you know, you get the point. And we've all probably felt the opposite too. That person that when you're in the room with them, you're just like, ugh, I'm exhausted. I feel horrible. I feel drained. It goes both ways. Oh, yes, indeedy. <laughs> I don't say that very often, but that was the perfect time for it. <laughs> okay, Nick, what have you been consuming that has been beneficial for you? <laughs> David Hawkins, but from reading <laughs> him, well, Claire and I have collected all of his books now, except I lent out permanently, I guess, probably his healing and recovery book. So I just go from book to book, whatever one I I just pick up a random spot and start reading. But, um, you know, for those who want to try out David Hawkins for the first time, I think his two most accessible books are letting go and healing and recovery. Those ones, you just jump right in healing and recovery was lectures. He did put into book form from the eighties, I believe originally. And then like repeated later on again, but um, <clears throat> they're great. Cause it's, it's very easy topics to jump into like fear and anxiety. And you're like, Oh, there's a whole chapter. It was like a two hour talk on that and put into book form. It's great. Sweet. I love that book. It's actually one of those books that has changed my life. Well, Power Versus Force, which is his first book and probably best-selling book, I'm guessing, that was the first one I read. And that's not the most accessible one. Like Nick Nick has two good recommendations there if you want to jump in. But that was the first one I read, and it's a challenging book at times, but it that was a game-changer for me for sure. So this guy, Nick and I will reference him 
fairly often on the pod. At least once an episode, yeah. He's kind of like the godfather of like our healing core philosophy in a way. Totally. And and there's not that he invented it necessarily. He kind of just he just taught on it the best and just we kind of discovered some things about it and taught on it really well. Yeah. His full well, his philosophy is just integrated like hand in hand with the foundations of what we do. So it's hard not to talk about him because he you know, he is an enlightened being. And from my understanding and from his writings of me, <laughs> me reading what he says, you know, he says, and this sounds correct to me, but the people who become enlightened, well, majority of them don't actually go back into the world at all. Majority of enlightened people are, pass they pass on or they become, you know, hermits to the world because they, there's just no point for them to interact with the world anymore. They're just beyond that. So very few of them actually um, have to switch their linear brain back on and interact with other people. And out of the ones who do, there's a really hard time writing very esoteric, nonlinear things and putting it into a linear way that people can understand and digest. So there's not that many people who are doing that. And so the ones who do it, you just like, I gotta, <laughs> you gotta explore their stuff. And uh, he is one of them. And this is, I mean, this is essentially why I love him so much because majority, I think the hardest thing for humans is that we cannot really discern truth from falsehood. It is very hard to differentiate what's true and what's false. So, you know, people follow certain philosophies and paths and it might be helpful in if you're at the right space for it, if you're in the right cultural phenomena happening, if you're, you know, right place, right time kind of thing. It might be super helpful, but um, it might not actually be truth. So, you know, like, for instance, um, uh, conspiracy theories. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into there because conspiracy theories, there's lots of them. Some of them people jump into and they, it becomes their life. And I know at this time, I, I'm aware of a lot of people who've jumped in some crazy conspiracy theories about what's going on in the world right now and it's addictive and you feel satisfied you feel like oh i understand the truth and and you feel liberated because of it but if it's not true then it's wasting your time it's weak you know truth is strong and falsity is weak and it tests weak in the body and this is why it's so interesting is because through applied kinesiology through the work of great masters like John Goodhart and um, Dr. Diamond and Dr. M.T. Mortar Jr. M.T. Mortar Jr. And who's the one who did NET? I feel like that's important to mention him. Um, that, that doctor. That guy. The guy who did that. <laughs> the guy who did that. And, and of course, Dr. David Hawkins is. Uh, they developed a way where you can test what's true in a scientific model that actually tests both linear objective stuff and nonlinear subjective context. So it, tests, it, it tests both content and context at the same time, which is extraordinary discovery. Mm -hmm. For example, MRIs, they test only content, which is why, you know, you do, of course, if like you have a back, if you have back pain and you go and get an MRI and they show that you have slip discs, then you're like, wow, I have slip discs. And everyone's like, okay, we have to operate on this, repair the discs, the pain will go away. Except that a study out of UC Berkeley showed that 80% of people in their, you know, 80% of adults with no back pain have some kind of slipped disc. Mm -hmm. which it shows that there is a subjective thing that MRIs are not testing. They're only testing objective. So 
therefore it is limited but um muscle testing is unlimited and in fact what's crazy about it is because we all have you know what freud talked about as the collective consciousness and of course jung went into greater detail about the collective consciousness and two most brilliant minds in the last 150 years or whatever um there is a net of consciousness there's a webbing of consciousness of energy that cannot forget anything that's ever happened and we're all being connected to it at every moment and so for this very reason if jake and i were here together we could show a muscle test that does this but we can test out all truth everything that's true compared to everything that's false we can we can go through a whole thing now there are things that you need to have in place in order to do proper testing just like any other proper testing you know for the gold standards of science right um there's a lot that has to be there but we could show this that we can go through and be like well um this one guru who talked about all of these spiritual things was what he's saying true is there truth to that in the universe and you can test and find out yes there's truth to it is everything said true no maybe not and then you could start to delineate well what did he say that wasn't true on what topic wasn't you know wasn't what he's saying true that's extremely useful and this is what hawkins did for years and years and years and he had an enormous clinic where you know and he's a totally enlightened being so in some of the books it talks about how people were brought in and they're all miracle cases he wouldn't do anything you know he's a psychotherapist he wouldn't do anything say anything give him any pharmacology they just share eye contact for a little bit and they'd get up and walk out healed right um absolutely extraordinary and his clinic blew up to the point where he had the largest one in america and then he also got one of the first computers to start doing data experiments on muscle testing and he had this <laughs> all this stuff that was going on at the same time so power versus force presents to the reader muscle testing although he already had presented to the whole science community in some uh, textbook called like qualitative and quantitative analysis or something I've, i haven't read that um <laughs> sounds charming maybe i will at some point but um power versus force presents it to the average person his research that he did fantastic super interesting and then most of his books end up applying it in in different ways so um they're all fantastic books but what is this is why jake and i like him first of all so much is because it's you know when he's talking on a topic there's some certainty about the truth of it and i understand this as a clinician because you know people can say like well anger you know i'm angry but it's not affecting me it's not affecting my body it's not affecting my life or anything but like dude i can see it on your body we can do tests to find out how anger is affecting your body and your health how it's changing your acupuncture meridian systems how it's weakening your muscles how it's making you know your stress and and all kinds of things in your brain change um how it's affecting your relationships we can test it and we could see it and we could change it and and then we see what happens when the anger dissipates what kind of health expresses in the body you see this when you're around the body and it's undeniable truth it's undeniable i mean there should be more and more books written about the truth that the body expresses because you can be in your head about everything that you think exists out there but the body cannot lie you know it just can't then it's it's part of the nature of the universe being expressed <laughs> in, in, in an organism that is you and it can't lie
And this is what's so fascinating. And, and so it's so refreshing to see clinicians who understand the science of this. They understand the body. And then they also happen to be enlightened. And then they also happen to be a really good writer, speaker. And then they also happen to be, you know, like that's Hawkins. So um, that's my little plug for him. <laughs> well, I'm sold. I'm going to buy all his books right now. Well, and here's one that's been really addicting over the last couple of weeks. So especially with all the new stuff, all the media and whatever, you know, it's interesting. This book that's called Truth Versus Falsehood. And he goes into all kinds of stuff. And just, okay. and he just, he just like, he puts all these charts together. He's like, so this page right here open to is a page. That, this is a page that I obviously looked at a lot because it just like my book doesn't close just stays right there <laughs> but it, he tests um the following list is a list of over 100 well-known respected teachers from various spiritual schools and he just shows you on a scale of zero to 1000 how much truth is represented in their teaching it's like i bet he gets so much flack for that yeah he calling people out nick Give us a couple surprises from that list. Well, here's, okay. So here's to get a little bit people that we know that calibrate high Gandhi. That makes sense. Calibrates at 760. That's enlightened. So that's enlightened. Yeah. Um, uh, Mother Teresa, Teresa of Calcutta. Um, Mother Teresa calibrates at 710. So Very, also enlightened. Also enlightened. So anything over 700 is enlightened. Yeah. Um, let's give one that might... Try to skim this as fast as I can to give something that might uh, surprise people. Most of these things are, are smart slash enlightened people. Um... How about this? There's Thomas Merton on here. Hmm. So a lot of people know Thomas Merton. His writings are really beautiful. He calibrates at 515. So 515 puts you in love. So he, yeah, consciousness of love. He's in the consciousness of love. And that's amazing. That's fantastic. I mean, if you calibrated, uh, to put it in other terms, m- the whole world right now, society at large, calibrates around 205 or 207, which is in kind of a level of courage. And most people are actually under that. <laughs> so, so some heavy hitters raising overall yeah. average. Now, I wonder about that, Nick, because at the level of anything over 200, right? So this is courage and up. This is operating more into freedom, right? Like a free people. So what Hawkins said is um, in like, you know, our, our mainstream historical context of what we know humanity has been through. It's been operating under 200 for a long time. And this is why there's a history of war and violence and poverty and oppression and, totalitarian regimes and control of the poor and all that stuff. And then like in the seventies or something or eighties, it shifted over 200 for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I know it's easy to be cynical and pessimistic right now about our times, but if you look at it like big picture, like we've made a major impact on a lot of like the horrible parts about the human experience. We're just more enlightened. Mm-hmm. We're not enlightened. Like you said, we're like at 205, 207. So we're like just edging into the positive or like close to the positive because courage is below neutrality. Yeah. Technically yeah. not it's positive. <laughs> yeah. Neutral, obviously, we a lot of us understand neutral. It's like I could be angry or I could have no anger and that's neutral. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm peaceful that's a positive thing. It's way out there, but neutral is just like, there's, there's nothing of that, the negativity. So courage, and, there's still negative, but there's like a willingness and a, a, 
uh, acceptance to kind of move forward. There's an, there's an empowerment, there's an acknowledgement and an attachment to fear, but an empowerment of like, even though I'm, I, I have, I'm fearful, mm-hmm. I can choose to be courageous. I can choose valor. All right. So, uh, my thoughts, Nick, mm-hmm. this might be a big topic, huh. but ready to get in. never in our lifetime has there been a universality of fear towards a specific thing. There's always been things to be fearful of. Okay. There's always been problems and there's yeah, like been a lots of ways to target. Yeah. And so now like the whole globe, as far as we know, is focused on particular issue that's creating a lot of fear so i wonder if the overall consciousness globally has been suppressed right now because we're so focused on on fear and other things pride and anger and desire and grief there's like a lot of emotional landscapes that are getting more energy right now so i wonder we've been over to 200 for a couple decades according to dr hawkins but Fortunately, he's you know, passed away in the last few years. But I wonder, are we calibrating back under 200? Because under 200 is when people can be controlled. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would say probably. I don't tend to do that kind of calibrating myself because you know there are lots of factors involved with how reliable are my things and kind of us, you know, I, I know like if I'm in a level of fear, for instance, you don't calibrate correctly. So I usually ask Sonny to calibrate things for me, but <laughs> you texting Sonny. I, I don't think she texts Jake. <laughs> She's like 90, but she was so secretary with Dr. Hawkins. And so she like, and edited his books she with him books. Totally. So she, I, I know she knows the process really well. And she is mm-hmm. like, I mean, she, for all I know, she could be totally enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> she has that feel. She does. Um, so that's usually who I ask as a reliable source of, but you know what? Last time we asked uh, her to calibrate where our technique is, the emergence process. So the technique we use to heal people and help people. And I don't remember the exact number, but it was somewhere around 560. So that's joy territory. Joy territory. And that's actually, you know, the interesting shift too. So this is for the geeks out there who really like Hawkins work. 550 is when things start to become more non-linear, meaning miracles start to happen at that. This is why not, you see, yeah. Not a love, which is lower energy, right. mm-hmm. but joy and peace. Yeah. So at that level, things start to become a little bit more nonlinear and miracles tend to happen at, you know, with relative ease. Um, and this is where you see saints from every tradition. You, there's saints in every tradition that, that are miracle workers. It's because of this. Right. So with Hawkins, obviously he was above this, you know, he had people coming in who were the severest of the severe, you know, like there's one story where there's this mute, mute, um, you know, he's a psychotherapist and he was doing hospital institutions and whatever at the time. And, uh, they brought in this woman who was basically crippled and mute and from birth. And she was like an adult at this point, I don't know how old, and just one of those kind of characters, I think, like, with without the right perspective, you'd look at as as kind of scary, intimidating, right? Like, heavy psychosis. And she was brought into him. He's like, what kind of therapy would you do on someone like that, you know? And he didn't do any therapy. He just looked at her and he said, um, the love like she saw and felt love and like this joy. She felt the divine, you know, Mm. kind of this inspiration, this whole episode. And she became unmute 
and she started talking and she stood upright immediately. This is like the first time she ever, you know, it's like, well, did Hawkins do that? Did what, what happened? No, the energy field did that. You could say God did that. Right. But Hawkins wouldn't say that he did it. No human has the power to really heal, but healing happens. Right. So it's kind of that miracle stuff that happens and immersion's process calibrates over that. So this is also one reason why miracles happen relatively often in the immersion's process. And we just call it normal because that's what I expect to happen for people. So true. This is a great Dr. Hawkins episode. Unplanned, (laughs) but, (laughs) but honestly he's been, I was going, into darker places or just struggling more during this pandemic we're experiencing. And it's like, wasn't a good headspace for me until I was like, you know what? I want to put some good stuff back in my head. And then just the world's the sun came out, the birds were chirping, everything was blooming around me. Just a shift to perspective and reality change. That's amazing. Uh, but it's kind of like, it's not like reality changed. It's just like your reality changed to meet the actual reality, which is a joyful, peaceful experience of life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what's real. Mm-hmm. And this is why, what, what is it? Um, Buddhists talk about how fear is illusion. Fear. Solution. Very good, Nick. Jake Jake talked a lot about the cave allegory. Oh yeah, we had a whole cave. We had a whole cave episode. Yeah, maybe that's maybe Nick can link to it in the show notes. Yeah, (laughs) and then you know this is something important to know because anything under the level of two hundred, under that level of courage that we were talking about, basically it tests. It starts to test weak because there's a lack of truth there. So things can, so I can, for instance, I could test, you know, this is a great thing that people test usually to kind of get a baseline. They'll test like, is my name Nick Hyde? Yes, that test strong. Is my name Maura Siobhan? No, <laughs> no, it'll test weak, right? Because there's my, there's a weakness there because there's a lack of truth. Yeah, so when Nick says test, it's testing muscle strength, essentially. That's why it's called muscle testing. And you can test any muscle. Uh, So you see it clinically from applied kinesiology. You see a lot of shoulder testing. People hold out their arms. Mm -hmm. That one is, to me, a little sloppy. Not that it can't be effective. It's just easier for it to not be effective, Mm -hmm. I want to say. So Nick and I like testing hips with people laying down flat because they're not overthinking it and they're not really interfering with it. Like people get their shoulder tested. You're holding your arms out in a weird position. Like, you know, you're being tested and you can kind of hijack it sometimes. But if you want to test yourself, a really simple way to test yourself. Let's guide people through this. So make an okay symbol. I don't know if that's a universal term, but like make a circle or complete a circle with your index finger and your thumb. So ever goes video doing it for the camera. Okay. And so you got a circle there. You want to go like tip to tip of your finger and you want to maintain the connection. Take your index finger from your other hand, put it against your palm, like put it through the loop and against your palm. And then Test the strength of your fingers. So test with something that you know has integrity, which is just like, you could say your name. My name is Jake Hyde. And it tests strong. Yeah, so you, you with vigor, move your finger to the, where the tips meet. Yeah, try to break the circle. Try to break the circle. And this is actually a little more complicated than it, it sounds because you operating at various levels of consciousness can interfere with the integrity of a simple test like this. So the goal, one of the skills I think as a tester is to just not think about anything. 
Totally. Just, be f- just be focused on one question and seeking one answer out of a place of at least courage, right? So you have mm-hmm. no bias to an answer. Because if you have bias to an answer, you might be operating in pride, you might be operating in fear, you might be operating in shame, things like that that are going to interfere with a valid muscle test. So if you're at least at the level of courage, you're saying like, I want to know the truth and I'm singularly focused on this question, you should get a good test. So go from your palm and try and break the opening. So my name is Jake and that test's strong to me. Uh, You need to know, yeah, that's it. That's simple. I don't need to overcomplicate it more than that. Yeah. But, you know, since we're... We were, talk, we were talking about that stuff that tests weak or mess up your, your muscle testing results. Here's a great example, okay? If you're like, I'm going to try to muscle test the lottery ticket, <laughs> the outcome. I'm going to put a bunch of money down on this game that's going to play. Is, you know, are the Phoenix Suns going to win or the Chicago Bulls going to win? So you try to muscle test it. That will not test strong. Unless you're like, for whatever reason, you're doing it out of totally benign intentions and you're like enlightened and I don't know why this would be the case, but then maybe you would test positive and you would find out exactly who it is. But that's kind of hard to validate. <laughs> um, so, so it's, you can't, gen- so this is kind of an interesting thing because there's like uh, you know, a defense security system built into the muscle test where if you have poor intentions, you will not get a clear muscle test. So someone cannot use this for evil, which is kind of really interesting. It's interesting. Uh, Yeah. It's got a built in firewall, which makes sense to me. Totally. Now it makes sense that it like operates at truth because you couldn't use this for anything but something pure or benevolent. Yeah. So I think a good question to have in your back pocket, if you're going to start trying this out is, you know, try it out a couple different ways and then use the question, am I getting an accurate muscle test result or whatever? Am I getting accurate results? I find that since that's just like a kind of simple acceptance kind of level of you know, you're asking it and you're like, I'm willing to accept whatever the result of this is. You just, that tends to be correct. So you're like, um, am I, is this headache I have? Is it because of, you know, liver issues I'm having? No. Is it because I'm dehydrated? No, whatever. I muscle tension in my neck. Okay. That's positive. Um, am I getting an accurate muscle test? Yes. Okay. Now I now I kind of feel like I could move forward with this and do something for it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's a good. I I asked the question: Is this test valid? And then if it isn't, move on. With your day. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes if you keep asking those questions, I find that at some point, like, I'll let go of my frustration. I'll let go of my pride. I'll let go of my just by keep being persistent and then I'll get a valid muscle test. I've had to learn this because people are on my table <laughs> and I might not have the perfect, you know, most perfect intentions. So I, I'm like, Ooh, I, I could feel I'm like, I'm not getting valid results. And so I'm like, okay, take a deep breath, let go of all this stuff. I don't care at the result. I'm unattached. And then I'll start getting positive results again. So it's kind of a good reset. But this is kind of, we're getting into some pro tools here. Um, not necessarily stuff everyone needs, but I love it. I think it's so fascinating. So, and you know what? Um, clinical kinesiology calibrates at, it tests at the level of 600. What? Yeah. So like muscle testing at large calibrates at the level of 600 meaning awesome. it's enlightened <laughs> no, 600 piece 600 is the beginning of enlightenment i think right, well peace is part of the enlightenment i think but 
I'll well, have to read into that. It's real high up. It is really high up there. And, you know, just because something tests, like, lower, you know, for instance, you know, I said, well, Teresa Vavala, she tests in the 700s. Her writings test in the 700s. Pretty amazing. Merton tests in the 500s. Well, it doesn't make necessarily what Teresa Vavala said. It doesn't make her better or what she said better. Like, clearly, they're, they both test pretty high. There's a lot of truth there. And I might find it easier to access the truth in Merton's writings than Teresa Vavala. So it's like, it's not necessarily like, oh, you should go to this route because it's the highest calibrating thing. Not necessarily, you know, and they're not, they're all on the same team eventually, <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're above the level of courage, you're on the same team and everything's a tool to help you progress and grow and heal and yeah. Okay. So I was doing some muscle testing during labor situations. Oh, you were? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually got this. And I was like, I don't know how like neutral I am in mm. these questions. You know, there's a lot of writing on it. Totally. I'm uh I'm not I've yet to reach enlightenment as a person so it's like and I don't know if I if I'm not bringing some level of like fear into this or desire into this mm. but some of it came into play you want to know some details of the oh. the birthing experience yes, let's talk about it for sure okay all right so we're doing it uh, a birthing center in Nashville called Baby & Co., which is great, like naturalistic midwife center. It's got connections or partnerships with Vanderbilt Hospital. And pretty cool. And we, the, the problem is just like a midwife center, and they have hours and stuff. <laughs> so we're... Um, Kara just being super tough, just like having contractions, but just told me she wasn't feeling well. And we're two weeks early. So it wasn't, she just was like, I don't want to be that person who's like, I'm having a baby. And then you go in and they're like, no, you're not. And you, you know, she didn't want to be that person. So around like 10 30 at night, she's like, I think these are really contractions. So I'm like, okay, let's measure them. So we're time them and they were consistently like a minute 50 apart <laughs> okay and so here's how this works most of our listeners know this because our our mom audience is pretty strong mm-hmm. <laughs> from yeah. what i know but in case you, you you don't if you're if you're timing contractions at home you get closer to labor Typically, you're going to get closer contractions, and they they tell you, like, don't even bother going to the hospital until your contractions are about three minutes apart, and they last for a minute. And uh, we started measuring there, like, under two, and I was like, oh, man, okay, well. And they're consistent. We did it for, like, an hour, too. We weren't, like, panicking. So I do want to talk about some, like, movie or TV show birthing tropes Mm -hmm. that are funny. We'll talk about true or not. But one is like, my water broke. And then it's like a panic and you go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's not how it goes. I think only like 20% of births, you have like a water breaking anyway. And most of your birthing process is done at home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, most of your laboring, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so at like three minutes apart, lasting like a contraction lasting for a minute, that's when it's like, okay, that's a that's a general rule to then go to the hospital, birthing center, whatever. And so we already, we blew past that window. <laughs> so we call and, and we get a hotline, you know, because they have a call service and the guy's like, okay, I'll, you know, call midwife and, and you'll get a call back. I'm like, okay, cool. And then it was like hours went by. And so we're and the and these labor like the contractions are getting more intense, and 
less of a break in between. And we stopped measuring at this point because it was just like, let's just focus on the moment here and not mm-hmm. like the clock. And it's kind of like preparing, like, okay, we might have this here. So let's get ready, you know? Mm. <laughs> and, I, and we were really like, okay, this is the reality. We're just going to have this baby. It's going to be great. And then we get a call at like two ish in the morning. And she asked a bunch of questions and she's like, okay, that seems pretty legit. You want to come in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll come in. And she's like, all right, I could be there in 30 minutes. I'm like deal. So I'm packing up bags and packing snacks. You know, we have these grand aspirations of like all these cool snacks to do and like mm-hmm. some entertainment. We had a playlist. We had like some shows we can watch on the computer. Uh, by the way, none of that happened. It was pure focus. Like I made popsicles and stuff, you know, I made stuff, but like uninterested. It's like, you're like, well, I think at that some people, point too, you know, it's like, well, some, some people have longer labors and it's like, yeah, you do want to watch a show or you do want a popsicle or you want to, you know, mm-hmm. we were just, we were in it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. none of that, but I still packed everything, which is good. Cause you had, you know, we had stuff the next day, but we drive and it's awesome. It's like two thirty, almost three in the morning. And I had, we drive through downtown Nashville to get to this place. And it was, I didn't see a car, man. It was awesome. It's flying. Not that much. Cause Kara was like, don't take turns too sharp. Cause it was too <laughs> comfortable. We're like bumps were like killer for her. So I wasn't really racing, but it was like, no cops going to stop me now. You know, it's like, we just got to get there. And there, and all the lights were just yellow flashing, like yield signs. The whole downtown was cool. Crazy. So a little quarantine benefit perhaps, but we get there. We have this whole birthing center to ourselves with just one midwife. And it was, it's cool, man. It was like very intimate, very intense, very surreal experience. Some of the other tropes from movies. You know that trope of like, I want an epidural or whatever? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen towards the end. That happens early on. Because mm-hmm. contractions are really intense. And early on, I want to say like three something in the morning cares like, because this birthing center, that's not an option. You would get transferred to the hospital if that's what you wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I want an epidural. And I was like, okay, well, we have these other techniques and these things that we have in play that's... That, Let's try and incorporate these, but it was that it was that trope was honest. Is like forget that, that's do an epidural. And I was like, okay, you do not want to be transferred. Let's try this other thing. During like active labor, when you're pushing, the epidural conversation doesn't come up. At least in this case, like Kara was so focused, so like mission centered, so purposeful those conversations are not a thing you're going to have. It's just like you are tensely focused on pushing. And when you're not, you're like passed out unconscious, <laughs> sleeping and resting. <laughs> like it was 40 second naps with like minute of like intense laboring. And then like just literally passing out. It was. Yeah. Carrie said that the so she tense. actually like fell asleep at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was. In between, in between pushing, she would like power rest. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. <laughs> Dude, but it was, but okay. So we had a generally speaking shorter labor for, especially for a first baby, but, uh, she was like an active, like pushing labor for about two hours, which is pretty intense. And, um, that wore out, man. She's gassed by the end. She had nothing. Hmm. But anyway, so that's a, that's a trope. It's like at the end, it's all focus. You're not yelling out anything. You're not talking. You're not wasting your breath with conversation. Mm. It is. Energy is going towards midsection. It's going towards pelvic area and you're, you're pushing. Second trope from comedies, squeezing of the hand. That's pretty real. The squeezing can be pretty amazing. <laughs> like how hard <laughs> they can squeeze. My pinky got caught 
in a squeeze bent like this it got folded into it you know it got grabbed like that and i was like this is definitely gonna break <laughs> this moment i'm like yep pinky's definitely gonna snap in half right now there's no way it's not going to the next day she's gonna be like what happened to your pinky and you're gonna be like uh nothing <laughs> exactly but i was like yep this is it it's definitely it's never gonna survive this so that's the squeezing <laughs> trope in comedies it's pretty good i'd say that's i'd say that's real uh i mean i've seen nick you've in your school we took an obstetrics course i saw a ton of videos of births <laughs> definitely not the same as being there definitely not the same as being with the person that you know and love Oh gosh. Very much. Totally. But uh it's so intense, man. I probably cried for like two hours. Wait, during or after? Or both? I would say that whole active labor pushing thing, I was like welling up with just like these feelings of love. Seeing this woman, this incredible woman, just like going pure, like primal tiger mama, just like doesn't matter what my body feels like. It's just like, mm. I got to bring this baby out. It was incredible. It was an incredible wow. feeling to like witness that. And then of course, like baby comes out, you know, gets put on mom's chest and it's like, that's, oh my goodness, there's the baby. <laughs> and then that's like another all feeling of love, which is nuts. And so good. <laughs> and, uh, it's cool. Natural births is uh not for everybody probably but you know different kind of conditions and different risk factors and whatever but it has its advantages for sure and part of that is just afterwards being unaltered just hormonally sensitive like the sensitivity is there where it's like you know baby latched on kind of immediately started nursing Crazy. You know, cool stuff like that. And that's the good stuff too. What's that period of milk called again? Colostrum. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Very nutrient, very <laughs> nutrient dense. And uh yeah, and he's like crawling already, dude. Like super wild. Obviously shouldn't be happening, but um if you know if he's like wanting to nurse and I'm holding him, say I'm, I'm kind of reclined or laying down my back and I have him on my stomach, he'll crawl up to like my head looking for milk. <laughs> he's a newborn baby. He's just crawling and he's like moving his head around. Like his neck's really strong already. Hmm. He's been getting treated every day by me, but excellent, super baby. Yeah, but he's like gonna probably be walking soon. <laughs> Imagine that. I don't know. He needs to get a job. That's what he needs. I'm saying, man, he's a freeloading. <laughs> but I mean, good luck getting a job these days. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, it's what everyone's looking for to hire. <laughs> Anyways, so. people want to hire newborn babies that can walk. Let me tell you, there's a market for that. <laughs> there is a market. Yeah. He's he's great though. I mean, it's like a little person figuring out life. It's fun to watch. And he is hairy. He's one of the hairiest, darkest haired babies I've ever seen. Yeah, he's got this thick, dark brown hair that's like an inch long, inch and it's, a half in some it's areas. Crazy. I hope he doesn't lose it. I know sometimes he can, but he looks awesome he didn't look like an alien baby either sometimes you see babies are like puffy in their face i'm told that's from you know in a hospital mom's gonna be on like an iv all day just be like flooded we put kara on an iv at the last like 10 minutes because she was so exhausted and dehydrated she yeah she didn't really i was making her drink water but she wasn't really wanting to i made pedialyte popsicles nick Sounds pretty good. Yeah, they were watermelon flavor, but it was like, no, it was so focused. We weren't chilling the whole time. It was like, because her contractions were already so close together. <laughs> so yeah. nuts. 
So her blood sugar was because she didn't really dinner either because she didn't feel good. That's what she said. She's like, I don't feel good. She's had an early labor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so awesome. we gave her like a little bag with some glucose and, you know, electrolytes and stuff. But that was like last 10 minutes. So the baby came out looking, and I'm very biased. Yeah. He's looking good. <laughs> he didn't look like a total alien. He looked like a little baby boy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was it. It was awesome. It's just see like nature kind of take over and it's just like, okay, this is a mom bringing a baby into the world, being so courageous and so strong and just instinctual. I mean, it was, it was awesome to see. And like also so incredibly challenging to be mm. part of <laughs> so yeah. it's like those midwives i'm just like how do you do this all the time i know it's so intense how do you exp- how do you be with a woman and a partner in this experience all the time it's it's crazy yeah and, and I mean, obviously the hour, like the work hours too is like, cause I've been thinking about this a lot since we hired a midwife and I'm like, how do you plan out going on vacation? And how do you plan out? Like you just keep, you know, you're, you're like, okay, this is where I'm going to go. And someone's like, Hey, this is, you figure out the due date. And you're like, Nope, you gotta go to this other, <laughs> you gotta go to this other person. You're in the, I mean, you guys came a couple weeks early, so you got to have like no one plan for at least a month around a vacation or something. And it's crazy. It's it's a, it's a real calling for sure. Yes, it is. So hats off to them. I know it's crazy, man, because of COVID situations, they were wearing masks the whole time. So we had a midwife the whole time, and then we had a nurse come in at 7 a.m. The baby was born 8.43 a.m. We had a, a nurse come in, and they were wearing masks, and I don't know what they look like, but I spent this really <laughs> important, intimate time with these two ladies that were really incredible, and I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't recognize them on the street if I saw them. It's weird. Yeah, they'll probably at some point be like, Hey, it's good to see you. And you'll be like, yeah, you. Yep. <laughs> There's another crazy one of our podcast fans, you know, approaching yeah. us on the street. <laughs> you want an autograph? No, they don't recognize <laughs> us, They but they hear the voice. They're like, wait a minute. I Which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. And to go with the mask thing, this is my biggest pet peeve with masks is you can't smile with one. You can't see someone smile. No, thanks. Not for me. No. <laughs> I will prioritize smiling over, you know, any virus or whatever. I hear that, man. So it was, you know, crazy day. Now there's this awesome person Beautiful. in, the, in, in yeah. the world, in our lives. And Nick, you aren't too far away from such an experience. I know. I'm soaking up everything you're saying. What are your thoughts on having a baby? Uh, number one. Incredibly exciting. And yeah, I know it's it's kind of fun to hear this because, you know, we're making these plans and we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it. And, you know, we're hoping to do it we are going to do a home birth and uh, we're trying to figure out who we want to be there, who we don't want to be there, (laughs) you know, all those details. And so it's been really exciting. It's been really exciting. Just trying to imagine it all. My thoughts on that. Yes. You want a doula, which you already have, right? Mm -hmm. Claire's friends, a doula, because you want to coach. And then Nick, you get to be like pure comfort and just like steady. But I had to go back and forth from just like, I love you. You're amazing. You're Mm -hmm. doing so good to like, 
hard on her, like telling her how to breathe and what to focus on, like yeah. yelling at her. And because uh, I had to yell, I just had to yell. Like she had to like she like coaching is a real thing that's useful during labor. And some good like female energy. You need like a motherly type of person too. And we kind of got that from the midwife, which was helpful because I I I couldn't fill that role. Yeah, but it was also nice. It's like a doula would be good. I mean, I didn't go to the bathroom the whole time. I had to go really bad. I held it for like three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Like bladder, like bladder damage. (laughs) It's just like (laughs) can't leave her because she wasn't getting breaks. Mm. And those like forty second nap periods towards the end when she was like passing out. I'm like. I'm going to pee for like five minutes when I go pee. <laughs> like I can't, I can't leave her, you know? So it would be nice to get, have get a doula like a, but, or a water bottle or something. <laughs> we weren't allowed. I mean, I'm, I'm, we were probably allowed water bottles to pee in, but I'm just saying we weren't allowed anyone other than partners. Yeah. Because of the old quarantine type pandemic protocols so it had to be it had you know it had to be me that situation but it'd be good you don't want it to be a crowded room for sure but you want like those different type of roles in there for sure yeah well i mean since we're not doing it in a birthing center and actually you know a big part of it might just be like right here behind me (laughs) Uh um because i think we're going to set up a pool and everything we're going to do that probably right here but you know, you can see all these windows behind me and everything. That's my big fear with Claire's large family is that like we'll be at <laughs> some point in the labor and then we'll just have like, you'll see like a couple faces against the window. They're like, hi, how's it going in there? You know, and be like, leave us alone right now. <laughs> um, yeah, that would actually be an interesting thing. I don't know. Kara was naked from basically when we got in there. Yeah. First thing totally. we did was just like hot bath and then she didn't wear clothes again until like sometime in the afternoon, probably. <laughs> yeah. Just, that yeah. It's so like I said, it's like you should do it. Probably. It's animalistic, man. You go back to your like animal center to have a baby. You're just going there. And so yeah, it'd been interesting to have like family around for that, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I well, was wearing clothes. <laughs> well, Jake, come on, man. I guess this was your first time, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like what you see in nature and animals that don't have a conscious brain that kind of really gets in the way of this too much. If you know, for instance, if you have a cat um, who's in labor, right? And maybe the cat's already delivered one of the kittens and you go up and like you touch the cat to want to pet the cat and see the cat, you interrupt the whole labor process. And the cat like freaks out and is like, whoa, because it's kind of in this trance state. And it's like, what the heck? Or like, you know, a loud noise, dogs bark near it. And then it like tries to hide somewhere or whatever. And that's the same thing that happens for women in labor. But we're so in our conscious mind, we don't recognize that as well. Um, it's harder to recognize. But like they need to be in their kind of like this trance theta state, like meditative state almost of what they're doing and not be interrupted. And uh, that's what stalls out a lot of um, labors. Mm. So, yeah, we had a remarkably fast one for a first kid. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, but Kara was saying today, she's like, it's kind of sad. I I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that sad, though? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. I do. <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. it. It's probably you have a baby now to remember the whole event by. <laughs> well, Jake, <laughs> you know? are you going to be are you going to be like mom and every birthday for Henry? You're going to be like. At eight forty three in the morning, you're gonna be like, "This is exactly when you were born." And dude, Nick, we did that this morning at eight forty three. We're like, "You're a week old." <laughs> That's great. I love it. So yes, I'm gonna be like, "Mom, 
That's awesome. Well, love it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We're converting the podcast to a podcast about being dads. And then look forward to the future podcast called, um, I don't know, Cultivated Being 2, hosted by the Wellness Cousins. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, we're, she just had a boy. We're at, we have a boy on the way. So it's, we got a lot of boy energy that's going <laughs> to, we're going to get them on the pod at some point as soon as possible, really. Yeah, I'll have to have Claire and Kara on the pod, too. Okay. I got to yeah, go, man. I'm going to go back to being a dad. All right. We'll love you, man. And uh, peace to you, Kara and Henry. And we'll talk later. All right. Love you, too. Goodbye.